Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome, everybody. As you know, this month we're talking about the idea of doing a judgment detox, and we're using Gabrielle Bernstein's book called Judgment Detox. And, you know, I usually do a bit of a recap to explain what we covered last week, and I think I'm going to do it through my joke this week. I hope you don't mind. So, two guys are sitting in a bar. It's true. You've come to church, and two guys are sitting in a bar watching the television. There's a news report about a man who's threatening to jump off a five-story building unless the police arrange for him to get $200,000. Well, the first guy in the bar says to the other, I bet you 100 bucks the fellow jumps, but he'll be unhurt. Well, the second guy uh, takes the bet, and the fellow on TV ends up jumping, but at the last second, his fall is broken by an awning. He actually gets up, he's unhurt. Well, the loser hands over the $100 bet, but the winner gives it back, saying that he had already seen the guy jump on an earlier newsflash. Sorry, man, says the winner. It would be cheating if I took the money. The loser says, well, I don't know. Uh, I saw the newsflash earlier, too. I just didn't think he would jump again. Okay, so you're wondering how this is a recap of last week. I know you are. Well, last week we talked about three different forms of judgment. So let me explain. You just heard my sort of lame joke. And if you thought the joke was funny, or you just even didn't think it was funny, but the joke just stood on its own merits, you did a judgment call, right? You said, well, it's funny, or it's not funny. No big deal. Larry has his good days and his bad days, some of you are saying joke-wise. No harm and no foul. Maybe next week's will be better. Or maybe you love the joke. Anyway, that is a judgment just based on your preferences, whether you thought the joke was funny enough. Now, some of you out there, though, actually did a little bit of analysis on the joke. You passed it against what I would say is your sense of right and wrong, your sense of values. And some of you may have thought the joke wasn't funny because it tended to belittle someone who was on the naive side. And maybe you don't personally like jokes that tend to have someone as the butt of the joke. But there might be others out there that were so offended in prior years of those dumb blonde jokes that you love this one because it was a guy and not even a blonde guy, right? So that would be also a judgment that you called upon, whether you like the joke or not. And in this case, based on your value system, I really didn't like that joke because it kind of moved against my sense of values of depreciating someone. Or you really liked it because it for once dispelled that idea of the dumb blonde. Okay, but there's also a third form of judgment that we talked about last week. And what I know is that my podcast, my especially my audio podcast, goes out to about 6,000 people every week. And what I know is out there somewhere is a person who just heard that joke and said, someone needs to stop Reverend Larry from ever telling another joke. That was so foul. That was so stinky. He's so outrageous. Someone needs to restrain him. 
that would be the third form of judgment where not only do you just like or not like something, but you begin to actively have judgment against the person in terms of separating yourself from them and trying to portray them in a lesser position where you're in a higher position. So that's the form of judgment in particular that Gabriel Bernstein says is troublesome, that can get us in trouble. And it's really the form of all kinds of racism, of categorizing some people as better than other people, making outrageous claims of judgment, when really it's just your own preferences and your own values. And so you're, you're apt to say someone is worthless when in reality it's your own judgments, it's your own ideas that simply you favor. It doesn't necessarily have to make someone else wrong. Well, this week we're going to be covering some more of what she calls her six-step judgment detox. Last week we had the first step, which was simply to notice when we are in judgment of other people, to simply notice if I'm judging someone, which of those three styles of judgment in it. If I'm just expressing my preference, no big deal. If I'm making a judgment based on the values that I have, it's probably a good thing. It's just a good discernment that you have. But But if you're elevating yourself and gossiping about other people as though they are inferior, then you're in that third form of judgment. And that's the form that we're wanting to take a look at. So today we're going to cover two more of the steps of her judgment detox. Where I want to start, though, is by asking a question. Do we know where judgment comes from? Have you ever really thought about that? Where does that third form of judgment come from? And, and I, I have an idea that it comes from the most ancient of times. At the dawn of humanity, there was a time when people who weren't like you typically were dangerous, right? It was the, the tribe that was in the other part of the country. It was the, the people down the way that, that might come and steal some of what you have. And so there was, I think, perhaps an appropriate fear of people who were not like you. And often there would be skirmishes and tribal warfare over scarce resources and such. And so there was that fear of the other. There was that judgment of things that were not like you. And it actually perhaps had a a benefit. It was to keep your tribe, your family, the people close to you safe. But let's fast forward a few hundred thousand years, right? Do we need to have that level of systemic judgment at work in the world? Does it serve a purpose today? And I would say not. I would say there's really no reason to, from the get-go, fear other people or judge other people. Now, don't get me wrong. When one-on-one we begin interacting with other people, we may have cause to keep ourselves safe. We may have discernments that we want for our, our own value system that are important. But judging on appearances, judging people that you haven't even met, judging people that you only know peripherally and you don't know what's going on in their lives, that actually comes from a place of your own woundedness. And I want to think about this for a minute because, you know, we're talking about putting love on the altar today. And you might think in this area of judgment that that means I'm going to try to love the person that I've been judging poorly. 
I have a little surprise for you. We need to put love on the altar to heal our own selves. It's much less about our effect on other people through our judgment as it is on our effect on our own heart, our own minds. Judgment is a poison, but it's a poison for us primarily. I want to use an example because I know this is a, perhaps a concept that you're not familiar with. And, uh, and, and I have a, a little bit of a funny story. So my partner and I, when we were first getting together, we had decided if really, if really we were going to make a long-term loving commitment to each other, that it would be better if we found a house on our own rather than me living in his house or, or he living in my house. We decided, no. Really, the, the best thing to do would be to sell both of our houses and find one that was sort, sort of neutral ground, do you know what I mean? So we could start fresh. And so we searched uh, quite a bit and finally found a, a lovely home in southeast Portland. And it was brand new. It was amazing. It was new construction. It was within our budget. Really, it was one of those things where you just swear everything is going your way. So we're making an offer and we have a home inspection and oh my gosh, it's a brand new home. And yet the inspector found hundreds of small and a couple not so small things wrong with our brand new house. And we got the idea, both of us actually, that the builder was just not a good builder. And oh my word, the judgments that we had about these people we had never met, right? Because <laughs> we'd never met the builder or the workers or, or, or the various contracting agencies that had come to, to do the sidewalks and do the roof and all the different pieces of it. And yet in our mind, there was this, this force that we labeled the builder <laughs> as the one guy had built the house, right? And we pictured just how evil he was to do all these things, to buy that window that it wasn't true and, and we couldn't open to, to have laid the sewer down under the driveway and before it even got used, it was plugged up, right? And the, and the list just went on and our judgment of that company, oh my gosh. We got so worked up one day, we were going to drive down to the office of that building company and like camp out, like some kind of a, a formal protest. And, and in our mind, we were doing boycotts on Yelp and all, all kinds of craziness because we felt so wronged. And I remember Daniel's father had given us a call and he said, you know what? That's super common, actually. You put together a new house on today's kind of scale and there will be all kinds of things wrong. Aren't they going to fix it? And we were kind of stunned. Oh, <laughs> you mean <laughs> you mean this is to be expected and they just fix it and all is fine? We had been in judgment over these people, not even realizing that it was kind of par for the course and, and that the home came with a several-year warranty and that they would just come out and fix things. And, and later in life, when I remember thinking about this time, what I remember was it was triggering in my own self times when I had been cheated in the past. You see, this wasn't really a problem with the builder. It was a problem in my own heart. It was triggering. It was bringing up remembrances of time in the past when I had made purchases 
And people in some way or other had cheated me. And do you see what I was doing? I was judging someone else based on my own woundedness. Think about this for a moment. When was the last time that you judged someone harshly? It may have been someone that you worked with. It may have been a family member that seemed to be embarking upon the wrong path. It may have been a, a spouse that, uh, that did something contrary to your sense of values. But did you approach it as, well, that was just their choice, I can accept that? Or did you need to make it about being right or wrong and you, of course, in the right position, and the other person in the wrong position. Because if that's true, if you found yourself wanting to be right at all expense, if you found yourself uh, elevating your own opinion and putting down someone else's opinion, even viewing them as stupid or negligent or some other negative attachment to that person, you're in that third form of judgment. And I would suggest if you look inwardly, there will be some kind of an inner wound in you. That other person could be said to have pushed your buttons. Are, are you familiar with that idea of having your buttons pressed, right? Well, the other person may have pressed it, but guess who installed it, my friends, right? It's your button. Someone else pressed it, but there's something in you that became offended. There was something in you that caused this not just to be a preference. Well, he does it that way. She does it that way. I like to do it my way. It went from there being how stupid could she be or how foolish could he have been? It went from simply a discernment about what you like or what you don't like, whether you thought my joke was funny or whether you thought my joke wasn't funny, and it turned into something a little darker, a little more sinister. How do we begin working on those kinds of judgments? Because really there's they're something that holds you back. When you're in judgment of someone else, when you're, when you're holding a resentment and a negative opinion of someone else who suffers, do you think it's the other person? Well, sometimes I suppose it is. If you're shunning them, if you're treating them badly, it does affect the other person. But whose heart is heavy? Who's being held back from being able to express themselves fully and see the, the possibilities of the relationship or the possibilities of the situation? When at all costs you want to be right and victorious, often the situation itself simply suffers. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Well, the talk today is called Put Love on the Altar. And that's what I would ask you to do. And in fact, that's what uh, Gabriel Bernstein would ask you to do. And the, the love that you're putting on the altar is love for yourself primarily. It's letting go of those earlier wounds. In the case of my partner and I in our new house, 
we had to let go of some of those woundednesses of experience where where people had cheated us. We needed to be able to let that go and see this new experience of buying a new house for what it is on its own merits. Through the eye of discernment, certainly through our values, but very quickly we learned that the builder was more than willing, more than able, and actually very quick about fixing all those things. In fact, the builder was depending on that that inspection to know what to fix. It was part of the process. And here we were so fast to condemn and judge. It took us to really think about, wait a minute, this is pushing our buttons, those buttons that we installed, perhaps to keep ourselves safe from people who might sell us something that wasn't of a high quality, but that button did not need to be there in this case. We could evaluate this builder, this group of fine craftspeople, on their own merits, right? So what are the next few steps in this judgment detox? I'd like to cover two of them today. Step two is to honor the wound. It's actually to notice in yourself why you're judging. What's up for me? What of my buttons is being pressed that's causing me to come out with such level of judgment? Is it perhaps the way I was treated as a child and something right now is reminding me of that? Is it a person in my past that that maybe did me wrong or treated me poorly? And this new person in my life is reminding me of that. Is it something that happened and I find myself in a similar position and so that button gets pressed and oh my, the judgments fly. But are they appropriate for now or were they just appropriate for in the past? We have that choice of of putting our own woundedness on that altar and healing it truly with love, love for ourselves, love for that desire to move forward in life, to open our heart and be able to take in more love. What I do know is love and judgment are not compatible. (laughs) And if you are judging either yourself or someone else, you have just put love out the window. (laughs) And if you don't believe me, next time you find yourself loving, try, try to picture judgment in the middle of it. Or if you find yourself judging someone, try to just instantly open your heart to them. I tell you, it will be very difficult. When we're judging, we're by definition saying love is not important here. And I never want that to be the description of me. And so when I find myself in judgment, step two of the detox, well, if you'll remember, step one is just to notice it. You got to notice it first. Step two is to notice then the source of it. What is it in me? How was my button pressed? And to take ownership for that button, to put love on the altar, to begin healing that woundedness in me. So we honor the wound, we put love on the altar, and in step three, Gabriel Bernstein does something very interesting. Up until this part of the book, you might think it was a pretty secular book. You probably would say, well, spirituality is in there, but she doesn't necessarily mention the God word. In chapter three, her advice, the third step of detoxing, is actually prayer. 
And she offers up a few prayers that I would like to share for you. She offers up three short prayers as step three of detoxing our judgment. The first one is a prayer of surrender, and it's very short. And it assumes that you're in judgment of some one person who maybe you feel is not acting appropriately or someone who has pressed your button. And she says this prayer, Dear inner guide, I need help with my judgment towards, and then you fill in the name. So in my case, it would be, Dear inner guide, I need help with my judgment towards the Palazzo Company. They were the company that built our house. And then the prayer goes on, I'm ready to surrender this issue now. I welcome in the presence of love to guide me back to truth and to grace. I'm ready to release this judgment and see through the eyes of love. So this is what she calls as a prayer for surrender. I'm literally surrendering my judgment. I'm surrendering that woundedness that I've had in the past over this issue I'm putting it on the altar of love. I'm willing to surrender. The second prayer that she talks about, she calls a prayer of acceptance. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, or thing, some situation, some fact in my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that this person, place, or thing is being exactly the way it's supposed to be. So it is a prayer of acceptance. Some of you familiar with 12-step programs might want to substitute the serenity prayer, right? It's that idea that in order to find serenity, I have to accept my life as it is right now. Not that it won't change, not that I can't improve upon it, not that the world will not become better for me when my, when my outlook changes, when I begin seeing through the eyes of love, but I do have to accept my life right now. The third prayer really is more of an affirmation, and this she suggests that we take along with us throughout the day. And simply when we notice that we're in judgment, it's a prayer to forgive your own thoughts. And it goes like this, I forgive my thought and I choose again. <laughs> it's the easiest one of all, right? So picture yourself, you've just noticed someone cutting you off in the freeway and you have this most harsh judgment. What a dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Who gave this dot, dot, dot a driver's license, right? One of those completely outrageous and brutal judgments. And instead, you say to yourself, I forgive this thought and I choose to think again from the eyes of love. So those are the three prayers that she suggests as step three of her judgment detox. So let's do a quick review of what we've got going today. The three steps were first just to notice when we are in judgment. And if we're judging, which of those three? Is it just a preference? Is it just a discernment? No big deal. Those are the kinds of judgments that we do every day that are just fine. They're not implying that someone else is in the wrong. They're just you stating what's right for you, which is totally appropriate. But the third form is that form of judgment that is a criticism of someone else. It's like gossip. It's like you needing to be on high 
and putting someone else in the position of being inferior or less than. That's the form of judgment that will always have a negative effect on you in the long run. It closes your heart. It limits your potential. You begin to see the world in such black and white and narrow terms. It's the source of things like racism and ageism and sexism. As you somehow elevate yourself as, in, as being superior and someone else or some group of people being inferior. This is the kind of judgment that we wish to end. And in the, the second step, after we've noticed that we're doing it, the second step then is to look within and see how our wound has indeed set up this button that was pressed. That our woundedness, we can actually analyze it, actually look towards it and begin to heal it. And then the third step is that healing. That's putting it on the altar of love. It's perhaps going into prayer. Now, whether you want to use uh, Gabrielle Bernstein's simple prayers or not really doesn't matter. But this idea of turning it over to God, this idea of prayerfully considering that you're willing to accept life as it is, or that you're willing to disperse that negative thought, that negative judgment in favor of something else. Whether it's a prayer of acceptance, whether it's a prayer of surrendering that issue over to spirit, know that prayer truly makes a difference in your life. You're signaling your willingness to turn over something that truly has bothered you for a healing. I do have a couple quotes uh, from the book that I want to cover today. The first one is with regards to this idea of being wounded. She says, we're all innocent, wounded children who have faced so many difficulties in our lives. This is true no matter your social status or your background. No one gets through this life without some kind of woundedness. And in fact, our wounds can help make us interesting creative, unique even, but those same wounds also make us neurotic, defensive, and often very judgmental. When we have become brave enough to face our wounds, true healing begins. This is the, the quest of the judgment detox. It's not to heal other people's behaviors. In fact, I'll tell you a story. When I was in ministerial school down in, uh, in California, we were very close to uh, Yogananda's bookstore down there at the Self-Realization Fellowship. And, and one day I wandered into the bookstore and there were all kinds of Yogananda's publications, little, uh, little volumes of wisdom. And one of them was tiled, and I swear the book leapt off the shelf and flew into my hand. And it was entitled, How to Change Other People, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I, I think one of the employees there laughed because I think it was probably one of their best sellers. And so I bought the book and, and in my motel room that night after ministerial school was over that night, I got out the book and it basically says, you can't. <laughs> you know, in a hundred pages, it said, you can't. <laughs> and I bring that up because the healing that needs to happen from judgment isn't in other people. You don't need to change other people's behavior to be healed from judging. You simply need to heal what's gone on 
in your own heart those old wounds, those old sufferings, when you come to accept them just for what they are and not something that you have to carry with you indefinitely, you'll notice the judgment simply fading through prayer, through just noticing what's going on, through putting love on the altar of your own heart, you'll begin to see that you don't need to judge others. And you also don't need to judge yourself. So I want to close today with some homework, another quote from uh, Gabrielle Bernstein, and a prayer. First of all, the homework. I'm inviting you to implement all three steps that we've learned so far of the judgment detox. Continue noticing when you are judging someone in that negative, divisive way. When you're calling out someone for being an idiot or stupid or ugly or, or any of the pejorative terms that you might use, notice it. That's step one. That's hopefully the easy step. The second step then is to look inwardly. How was my button pushed? Why is this heating me up? What is it about me that in particular takes an issue with what's going on here? And then the third step is to offer that up for a healing through prayer. Either a prayer of acceptance of the situation just as it is, no harm, no foul. They have the right to be the way they are, even as I have the right to be how I am. That might be a prayer of acceptance. It could be a prayer of surrender. I'm just turning this over to spirit. Uh, For whatever reason, I'm still pissed off about this. There's still some anger in my heart. But I know on that altar of love, Spirit can help me. I'm going to turn it over. I'm going to surrender this one to Spirit. And then her final suggestion for prayer is just to notice the thought and say, I'll choose another one. I notice I'm being judging. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to choose another one. I'm going to put that on the altar of love. The final quote from the book is how she ends uh, this chapter explaining the, the third step in her detox. She says, The profound act of surrendering our past through prayer can help you see in our own holiness no matter what has happened. I make prayer the third step of the judgment detox because I want to give you a tool that will support you in all of your days. Begin to rely on prayer as your guide back to love. There is nothing more powerful than releasing the need to control and to rely on a power greater than your own. It can restore your thoughts and energy. When you loosen your grip and simply let spirit lead the way, your life will become a happy dream. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence. There is only this one thing called love or God or spirit. And upon that altar of love today, I put all of my troubles, all of my fears, all of my judgments. I know that in some days the struggle seems difficult for me to make sense of it all. And that is okay. I surrender my doubts. I surrender my fears. I surrender my judgment to that altar of love, to spirit itself, and I expect and I accept a healing. 
As it is true for me, I know it can be true for everyone. Each of us has that ability to turn over our troubles to spirit, to place our own heart on that altar of love and claim a healing. And so for today, I I acknowledge that healing of judgment. I acknowledge that healing of past wounds. I acknowledge that healing that creates a world that works for everyone, that each one of us, as we surrender those things that darken our past, that have created pain for us in the present moment, as it's surrendered, as it's released, as it's gently dispersed, our dreams come alive, our hearts open, Our ability to see the potential and the love, the joy and the peace of life itself begin to blossom. And for this, I give such thanks. In gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. Now is our time of conscious giving. If maybe you're looking on the internet right now to give us an electronic gift at cslportland.org, maybe you're sending us in a check. I want to thank you so much for your support. And if you'd like, you can repeat after me, graciously I give from a place of love, knowing that as I give, so do I surely receive. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.